Welcome to the Audit 15 Fun Podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about transition in your career. And to talk about that topic, I have Carl Stingley as my guest. Carl is the Chief Audit Executive at Caesars Entertainment in Las Vegas. Welcome, Carl, to the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Yeah, thank you, John. I really appreciate the invitation and very happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we met at FedEx. Uh, I interviewed with you before I got at, into FedEx. So that's how I started my career in internal audit. And soon after you left uh, for uh, Caesars Entertainment. So you spent your career at FedEx 30 plus years. In one industry, you held several positions with, uh, at FedEx, how, you know, for, for those maybe, uh, managers, directors, chief audit executives who are going to a different industry, going to a different company, going to a different city after being in one place for so long, what can you kind of tell us what were the big, what were the biggest challenges that you had during that process? Yeah, I'm glad to, John. I think I'll start, though, by briefly covering my 32 years at FedEx, because I think the story I'll tell is, even though it sounds like I was at one company a long time, and I was, but I had a lot of different jobs. So when I left FedEx, it was hard, and I'll get into that. But uh, yeah, I made a lot of changes at FedEx also, so I was a bit used to it, even though I'd stayed at the same company. So even going back to internal audit very early in my career, you know, I intentionally made a few lateral changes within internal audit. I started in compliance audit. I moved over to financial audit. I then moved over to international audit. So I had a lot of different experiences, even as a staff auditor and as a manager, which I think were really helpful. That then led to my position in Asia Pacific. I was based in Hong Kong for three years as controller. But the reason, one of the reasons I got that position is the move I made to international audit where many of my audits were in Asia. So they got to know me, I got to know them, develop the relationships that then pretty much led to that position. Then moved to Canada, is, uh, started out as controller there and was promoted to uh, VP CFO. And then I added planning and engineering uh, to my portfolio. So I had a really broad job there. I loved living in Canada, but again, it was a new team. It was a new experience new job responsibilities. I'm a CFO and planning and engineering. So, uh, you know, I did uh, learn a lot uh, in a short period of time. Came back to Memphis as uh, vice president of worldwide revenue operations, all the billing, the collections, the cash applications. I had over a thousand uh, FedEx employees, uh, a couple thousand uh, outside agency employees. Again, a very different job. But it really required me to learn, develop relationships, adapt to a very new situation. Hey, I'm no billing expert, but that was my corporate responsibility. So I had to, uh, you know, learn and adapt. Came back to internal audit, uh, spent a number of years back there over several of the different operating companies. And then made the, uh, to your question, made the change to uh, Caesars in Las Vegas. And after 32 years, it was very difficult uh, to leave personally FedEx. I loved working for the company, but A, it was the chance to assume a chief audit executive position. And number two, as we talked about, I had a lot of family in Vegas, so it was an opportunity to reconnect and 
be in the same city as my mom, my brothers, et cetera. But coming into a brand new industry was uh, very challenging after 32 years. The biggest changes were that at Caesars Entertainment, we're the gaming uh, hospitality business. It is a very highly regulated industry. While FedEx certainly has a number of regulations, they've got to be in compliance with, whether it's DOT, FAA, et cetera, et cetera. But the gaming industry is very highly regulated. So that then translate into what my job responsibilities were as chief audit executive. So on my plan for this year, for example, I have about 750 project audits on my plan. Over 650 of those are required regulatory audits that we have to do in the various states that we operate in. So the majority of my audit hours, my staff are focused on regulatory compliance audits. That was a huge change. Whereas at FedEx, as you know, really what we did was risk-based audits in a very large, complicated global company. So here, the challenge was to build on top of those regulatory compliance audits and how do we add value? And that was really the riddle you know, I, I walked into here in terms of how to do that with the focus on required regulatory audits, having all new staff that I had not worked with before, all new executive leadership team who I had not worked, met or worked with before, a new audit committee. Whereas FedEx, I'd had these relationships in many cases for over 30 years. And now all, even when I'm moving to different jobs, I still had a lot of the same relationships and that made my life a lot easier in FedEx when I moved from one job to the other. Here, I was starting completely from scratch on everything. So I got all my fill of learning and uh, new experiences, but I wouldn't be uh, honest with you if I didn't say that was very challenging for me also. All of that I had to adapt to coming to Las Vegas. Yes, yes. Very good. And you you, you touched on a couple of points there that in your experience when you uh, worked in international audit, you 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 looked into the Asia operations, you developed some relationships there that led to other, other opportunities and the challenging gaining trust, you know, uh, with people that maybe are not as familiar with you. So thinking about gaining trust with new stakeholders, which is what you did at C at Caesars, how do you go about that? Like for the chief audit executives who are changing industry, going to complete a different company, what are maybe some tips that you have for those who are uh, in, the, in that position? Well, number one, uh, you have to be visible um, and really work hard at establishing those relationships. Some will reach out to you as a new member of the executive team, et cetera, and some do, but the onus is on me to develop those relationships, that communication, reaching out to them, and, and I certainly have done that in all my positions, but particularly here at Caesars, where I made a real effort, a, a concentrated effort to reach out to each of the executives here, whether in Las Vegas or elsewhere, set up that initial meeting, you know, and have a conversation with them about their background, their responsibilities so I can learn in transitioning to trying to understand, even if I'm not directly asking them this, how can I support and assist them in what their priorities are? To me, that's incredibly important from an internal audit perspective. Then having an open discussion in terms of, a, 
what are their ex prior experiences with internal audit here at Caesars? What do they think is working really well and what isn't working so well? And I'll be quite honest, uh, what wasn't working so well was a longer discussion than what was working well, but it was good because it led to an open discussion. And that's what I wanted to have and to understand from their perspective. That doesn't mean they're always right in what their perceptions are either. And when I talk to my folks, I can understand the other side of it, you know, where the, where the truth is. And usually it's somewhere in the middle, et cetera. But you want to initiate that discussion with our internal audit customers, as I'll call them, to really understand their perspectives and understand what they're looking for from internal audit. So that's number one. Then number two, as I referenced, is really taking the time and effort to build those relationships with my new internal audit team. Because as I always like to say, going to different positions, whether at FedEx or here at Caesars, you know, people are going to have different perspectives and opinions when someone comes in externally. There'll be one group who thinks this is great. Uh, finally, someone external is going to come in. They can help us do our job better and glad to have you. Then you have what I'll call the larger group in the middle, which is just open-minded. You know, they're, well, who is this guy, et cetera, but they're open-minded. They're generally welcoming and positive and willing to give someone a chance. But then there's group three. The group three is, why are you here? Why was I not promoted? And uh, what do you possibly know about the gaming industry? You've never worked a day in it in your life, okay? So you have those different subsets, and that's all okay. But you need to understand that. So when you have those initial conversations, and I'm very conversational and relationship-oriented, so in every job I've been in, I make a point as quickly as possible to establish a lot of different communication channels where that's one-on-one -on -one, and I meet one-on-one -on -one with every one of my staff. I have 125 folks. I meet every one of them. Uh, when I come into a job, it takes a period of time. Don't get me wrong, but I want to meet every individual. So I know them, they know me, and you start to develop that trust that if they just see an email or see you walking down the hall and you never interact with them, you're never going to have. So to me, that was extremely important uh, to develop that with both all of the staff in the department, as well as my direct reports. And then, you know, from all of those conversations and, you know, applying the analytics that we all have as uh, auditors, determining what needs to change, what are my strategic priorities, what message am I going to go out there with? And it's not something you immediately do. I mean, you've got to give it some time. Uh, so you really understand, you know, all the different components and you've started to develop at least that initial trust. So here at Caesars went through that process. It obviously didn't happen overnight. It was probably over several months, but then developed, you know, what those strategic priorities and focus areas were. And that's really what I then used to communicate to my team, as well as the audit committee. You know, here's where I believe we stand as a department today. And here are the strategic projects, the things we need to focus on as a department to get us where we need to go. So, you know, you probably know, John, I'm a big football fan. So my goal was to come up with a list of 10 strategic priorities. Unfortunately, I had 11. Uh, couldn't quite make the top 10 list. But, you know, just to give you an idea, because I think it's really important process that I'm talking about. You know, as I went through my learning process, you know, some of the things I saw that we really needed to focus on, you know, was starting with our risk assessment process. There really wasn't one. 
And in terms of what we do in internal audit, you know, that's the foundation of what we should be doing is based on our risk assessment, the strategic priorities of the business. So we really needed to build that risk assessment model and mindset um, in the department. Again, knowing the focus was regulatory audits, that's an important area of risk, but there's a lot of others in the business that we need to be focused on also. And we really need to develop a financial IT audit strategy. It really wasn't there. You know, the value, the internal audit reports, you know, the feedback I heard from auditees is they weren't even reading because they couldn't tell what was significant in an audit report and what was not. And I honestly, I read them all myself. I have the same opinion. I couldn't tell. So we went through a re-engineering process, I'll call it, of our reports, including instituting audit opinions, identifying what's an immaterial issue, abbreviating the reports more than an executive summary version, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And there's eight others I could talk about, but my point being, you're trying to address both the concerns that executive management is raising in terms of how you can add more value, as well as some of the frustrations I was hearing from the internal audit staff also. So it's not a, a one day process, but it's really hopefully resulting in those strategic priorities that will increase the value of internal audit. Yes, very, very methodical approach. And I liked many things that you mentioned there. It's a concentrated effort at the beginning. It starts from you reaching out to the business, asking them what they're looking for. What was your experience with internal audit before? What can we do better? And then going to building the relationship with your team and, you know, the different groups. And <laughs> obviously there's always going to be someone like, why, what, what you doing here? <laughs> okay. So, uh, establishing those communi communication channels. So really good good tips there. And at the end, you mentioned something which I kind of like good segue for the next question here, the risk assessment process in, you know, in your, in your first answer, you mentioned a lot of your audits are compliance driven uh, just because of the nature of the industry. And one of the things that you, you mentioned is that you're moving to a more risk-based approach. So can you give maybe some examples of maybe for people who are in the same not necessarily the same industry, but industries that are heavily regulated, that they're just doing compliance audits. What are some of the things that you can kind of point out as best practices to move to a more risk-based approach? Yeah, I'll give a few examples, John. I think the one I'd start with is keep in mind that when I came to Caesars, we were in chapter 11, which is not my typical career advice on folks moving to new jobs, but it worked out fine. But then we were acquired three years later by another company. And I was one of the few corporate executives that was retained. So it was an all new senior executive team for me. And keep in mind, it was also at the time we were in the midst of COVID. We had just come out of an industry shutdown. So it was a very challenging period. So where my mind was going is, okay, how do we demonstrate as a department that we can add value? We are focused on the key and strategic risks of the business. And how can we come out of the gate, so to speak, and establish that relationship like I felt we had with the old executive leadership team? So uh, long story short, uh, we started to focus on health and safety audits, which we had not done before. And the reason that was an extremely high risk is because if the regulators came in 
and they saw that we were not following the safety protocols for the business, we could be shut down. So this was literally top of mind in terms of the senior executive team, in terms of a risk that they were concerned about. So what we did uh, from an audit standpoint, first I socialized it with the senior executive team in terms of what you know, I felt that would be a good opportunity for internal audit to come in and each of our 50 properties do health and safety reviews, but to do it in more of a consulting fashion than an internal audit report opinion fashion. And they were highly supportive, both at the executive level and at the property management level, because they wanted a, an early view. So if there were deficiencies or issues, they could address them before the regulators came in. So my team did a fantastic job of developing the, the programs, the approach, the specific areas we would look at. And then it became priority number one, literally, in terms of then going out to the properties, you know, literally all my teams and conducting these reviews. And, you know, as you would expect on, on that number of audits, for the most part, we were doing a great job at property level in terms of following protocols. We certainly identified some areas that needed additional focus or correction. And uh, it really got us off to a great start with the senior executive team in terms of the role that internal audit was playing in terms of supporting the, the business, but also if the, if the strategic risk level in, in addition to the compliance type audits we were doing. So that's one example, but I give several others. Um, so, uh, for example, on the IT side, there really had not been, aside from required regulatory audits, a focus on the critical areas of risk that we all know as chief audit executives are important, such as uh, cybersecurity, such as data privacy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we uh, started uh, doing those type of audits shortly after my arrival. Some I insourced with my current, with my internal team. Some, if I didn't feel we had the capabilities internally, I would utilize a third, an external firm under my direction. Those were very well received. Guess what? Given they really hadn't been audited before, we saw plenty of opportunities for improvement, uh, which were well received by the executive team and the audit committee. We also picked several key strategic projects in the business because at the time we were expanding internationally. So we had a large project in Korea another one in UAE, et cetera. Uh, we certainly focused attention on those projects. We looked very carefully at FCPA. You know, a lot of these areas, you know, most internal audits routinely are looking at, and certainly at FedEx, as you know, that was where we were focused on. Here, that had not been the focus. So it was not only a new approach for my audit team in a different mindset as compared to doing required regulatory audits, but also for the executive team also. I mean, they appreciated it, valued it, but it was new, it was different. So you certainly had to sell a bit what you were doing since that wasn't previously what their experience with internal audit was. Yes, yes. And very good timing on moving to, you know, the IT audit, cybersecurity, data privacy. You know, obviously with COVID, there was a big shift to digital for a lot of businesses. So right. great, great timing there. So last question here, Carl, and you mentioned this uh, in your previous answer about being acquired. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
going through an acquisition and you went through some acquisitions at FedEx, you were on the acquiring side. <laughs> That's a lot more fun. Let me tell you to be acquiring than being acquired. Let, let's say that for the record. Yes. So for those who are uh, not only maybe going through an acquisition, the, the company that they're in is being acquired, but also, you know, interacting with that completely different team and going through that process and like, what am I going to survive after this? Like, what are some tips that maybe you have for those who are going through that process? Yeah. And to be very candid, I didn't know myself. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, and many other emotions, but I was, honestly, I was more concerned with my staff than I was myself. Um, I felt I would have been fine regardless. I've made a lot of changes in my career and if I need to make another one, okay. But I was very concerned about my staff. Um, so, uh, I took a lot of effort to make sure I was communicating to the new executive team, what our department did, the value we brought to the table and what my team brought to the table. And I think that went a long way in terms of the decisions to retain my team. Frankly, I think, uh, we probably had less change than about any other group in this company with that acquisition. So I took that as a real compliment to the value they saw we were providing, that my team was providing. And I took a lot of, uh, honestly, a lot of pride from them that, uh, you know, that uh, we, we stayed intact. And on top of that, we then added the, what I'll call the El Dorado audit team to our portfolio and then, you know, dealt with integrating those two teams. But in terms of my legacy Caesars team, you know, I retained everybody. And I was very, very happy about that in an environment of great uncertainty. And I personally felt that uncertainty as well as my team. Um, but I also believe regardless, um, I believe you need to have certain, what I'll call, you know, foundational pillars, I'll call them for lack of a better word in terms of what, what you're about and what you're selling to your team, what you're reinforcing to your team in terms of going through an acquisition and a, a combination of these two groups. And I've always felt regardless of the position I've gone into, you know, number one, internal audit, I believe any other position, but internal audit, you know, it, it's integrity. Uh, folks have to believe in you, what you're doing, that what you're saying to them is the same message you're giving to others. You're not just speaking words and then acting differently. We all have worked for leaders like that on occasion. So I think integrity is number one uh, in demonstrating that to your employees, but also they understand if they're not acting with integrity, there's the consequences will be significant. Uh, but you have to demonstrate that at your level, um, first of all. I also think as I We'll talk about again, you know, it's incredibly important that my audit team sees that the focus I have on being aligned with the strategic priorities of the business. I spend a lot of my time on that and I expect them to be aligned with the strategic priorities of the business also, not just think from a, from a, a tunnel perspective. You know, we talked about building the relationships. It's incredibly important in my job, but it's equally important at every level of the organization. They have different relationships. You've got to be focused on building those relationships and alignments, both from an internal audit perspective, but also from a career perspective, because most of us will not remain in internal audit. We'll do different things. 
And I want my employees to develop, to grow, to have opportunities within Caesars versus feeling they need to go somewhere else. So I think those relationships are really important and to instill that early. And the last thing I'll mention is in terms of professional development. You know, that was one of the, I mentioned the 11 strategic initiatives I started with, and I think I mentioned three. Well, another one of the 11 was professional development. You know, that employees, the message I heard in my one-on-ones consistently was employees didn't feel they were supported by management in terms of attaining professional certifications that when they got them, they weren't appreciated. So in essence, why Bob? Okay. It was the long story short. And I heard that message. So we spent a lot of time and effort in developing a professional uh, development strategy where we would then, we we're the first in the company to do this, where we would pay for employees to take a Becker course or get study materials. We would pay for exam fees. We institute a bonus program for passing certain uh, successful completion of what I'll call the big four certifications and ensuring that, that the expectation, and for me really talking to employees about why it was in their career interests to get certifications, both in terms of their current job, but thinking ahead. It's just like with me, I don't want to mention how many decades it's been since I got my CPA, but I'm still very proud I'm a CPA. And that's something that I've carried through my entire career. And I really try to emphasize to employees also how important that is for their future development. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Really agree with you on integrity. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Great story there from your team of like being one of the departments that had the least change as you were going through that acquisition. That's a great story and couldn't agree more on personal development. It's not only about the, the current the current state, but how is that going to help you in the future? So right. uh, really appreciate your time on the podcast, Carl. For those who want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, I, there's many ways, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, first of all, so that's probably the easiest. So uh, just look up Carl Stingley, S T I N G I L Y. Happy to connect with you and always happy to benchmark, talk about things, happy to do that. And, uh, my email address is uh, K Stingley, S T I N G I L Y at Caesars.com. So be glad to talk to anybody. on Awesome. Thank you so much. Super. Good talking to you, John.